Good morning. We're continuing this week in our character study of Timothy. We're going to pick up right where we left off. We left off just as Timothy was setting off with Paul on his journeys. As I mentioned last week, just to review for a little bit, it was obvious not long after Timothy was saved that he was going to lead a different sort of life than a lot of other people, than a lot of other believers, because there were prophecies made concerning him. The Lord given prophecies concerning Timothy along the lines that the Lord would use him and that the Lord had gifted him for this very purpose. And now he was on the road with Paul. And how are things going? You know, as for Paul and Timothy, we know that they work, they work together incredibly well. Let's turn for a moment to the uh, book of Philippians, chapter 2. Just going to read a few verses in chapter 2. This is uh, verses 19 through 22. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. As a son with his father, that speaks of an incredible degree of closeness there. And we know that um, Paul and Timothy, they traveled for you know, hundreds of miles together. Ephesus, Thessalonica, Athens, Troas, these were just some of their stops. But, you know, we know from looking at the history of the church, it's, completely, it's, it's totally possible for men of God to have disagreements in the work of the Lord. Not too long ago, we saw how Paul and Barnabas parted ways. And if we look at the Gospels, we see that the disciples themselves, there was some friction at times between them. But we don't see anything like that between Paul and Timothy. One thing that's noticeable about a lot of the, what we call the Pauline epistles, a lot of times Timothy is mentioned in the greeting. Just give a couple examples, like in the epistles of the Philippians. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And just another example in 2 Corinthians. Just going to read the greeting there. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth. Now, as you read these letters, it's pretty obvious that it's Paul doing the actual writing, because oftentimes Timothy is referred to in the third person in the letter. But, you know, Timothy was so like-minded with Paul that he included, Paul, that Paul included him in the greeting. Because it might as well, you know, they were so like-minded that the letter might as well have been coming from Timothy also. But as we look on, we see Timothy's journey was not an easy one. It was going to be proved to be very long, 
very difficult, very discouraging at times. There were times where he struggled with doubt and fear. I'll tell you this morning, have you ever felt that you were given a task by the Lord, but were, you were afraid to do it? Perhaps you're feeling a little overwhelmed by it? We're going to see in the scripture that, you know, Timothy had these feelings also. We're going to look at how he coped with them. As I mentioned before, we see Timothy mentioned quite a number of times in Scripture. We see him in the book of Acts. We see him mentioned in a number of the epistles. But he doesn't actually say anything in the book of Acts. There's no recorded words of Timothy. And there are no epistles written by Timothy. So on the surface, it looks like, well, he didn't actually say or do very much. And it looks like perhaps on the surface that maybe he was only a messenger that Paul sent to different places. But then if you look at the commands that Paul gives to Timothy, it's really obvious he must have said and done quite a bit. That's going to give you a few examples of some things that Paul asked Timothy to do. In 1 Timothy, he tells him to command and teach. Later in the epistle, he says, teach and exhort. Instruct the brethren. Let's turn for a moment to 2 Timothy 4.2. This is one of uh, Paul's final commands to Timothy. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. And we see Paul sent Timothy into many tough situations. Perhaps there was one day that Paul was speaking to Timothy about a particular church. Timothy, there's a church that's undergoing many persecutions, many tribulations. The saints are having a very hard time. Timothy, I need you to go there to encourage the saints, establish them in their faith, make sure they're doing all right. Timothy, I need you to go to Thessalonica. Maybe another year, Paul was talking to Timothy about another church. Timothy, Timothy, there are some serious divisions going on in this church. People are misusing their spiritual gifts. There's rampant sin in the church. There's chaos in the meetings. People, Timothy, I need to go to Corinth. Then another year, perhaps Paul speaking to Timothy about yet another church. Timothy, there is a lack of good eldership in this church. There's false doctrine being spread. Timothy, I need you to stay in Ephesus. Now, I've paraphrased and summarized things a bit here, but these are all situations that Timothy had to face when he was sent to minister to Corinth, to Thessalonica, to Ephesus. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but if I were given any one of those tasks, I think I might be just a little intimidated. I might think, Paul, you want me to do that? And Timothy was, you know, he was daunted himself. We see, we're going to look at a lot of words throughout First and Second Timothy, and a lot of the words are actually assurance to Timothy, because Paul knew this was not easy. 
And how did Timothy respond to these tasks that he was given? You know, a lot of times when we're given something to do, something difficult, we would like to think that we can hit a task with a lot of resolve, a lot of determination, and we, we just have solid, unshakable faith and just go through it. But oftentimes, we have fears and doubts. Maybe it could be a situation where the Lord wants us to witness to someone. Maybe there might be a difficult time where we might have to rebuke someone. It's kind of uncomfortable face-to-face scenarios. There might be some moments of disconfidence, of doubt, of fear. We see Timothy had to face a lack of respect, even a despising from the people he was sent to minister to. Sorry for all the page turns. I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians now, the end of the book, to chapter 16. In 1 Corinthians, Paul tells the Corinthian church of his intentions to send Timothy to them, but he has instructions on how the Corinthian church is to receive Timothy. Let's look at verses 10 and 11. Now, if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord, as I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace, that he may continue to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren." Now, just Paul saying, let no one despise him, it looks like there was a tendency to despise Timothy. It implies there's an implication there. Now, why would anyone despise Timothy? I mean, he was serving the Lord, wasn't he? Well, perhaps his appearance, Timothy may not have been very impressive. We mentioned last time, that Timothy had frequent infirmities, so he may have been a small, frail person. But then there was also the fact that um, people would, may have wanted to view him as a person of less importance. I mean, after all, it's just Timothy coming. It's not Paul himself. This is just Paul's assistant. And of course, there was Timothy's age. As we mentioned before, Timothy was notable for, for, notable for being a young person serving the Lord. But a lot of the people he was supposed to command, to teach, to exhort, were probably older than him. And some of the people Timothy was sent to could have easily thought, well, he's just a boy. Why should I listen to this kid? There's a command we see. Timothy was told, let no one despise your youth. So let's just turn to that verse for a moment. This first Timothy again. This is um, chapter 4, verse 12. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. 
Now, because of his youth, I think Timothy may have been a little shy in regards to his ministering. He must have known the attitudes of the people around him, that they must have been seeing, well, he's just a young guy. And this must have affected him. He might have had some doubts, like, well, why would people listen to me? Maybe, after all, I am just a kid compared to these people. And perhaps there were those fears, too, that, well, perhaps I am only Paul's assistant. Maybe I don't know the scripture as well as Paul. Maybe I don't have what it takes like Paul does. And people are not showing respect exactly to Paul. If anyone's been going through the first Corinthians class, no, the Corinthian believers were not showing proper respect to Paul. And Timothy may have been afraid, thinking, well, if they're not showing Paul proper respect, how are they going to treat me? We're going to look at a few verses later on in chapter 5. Same, same epistle, 1 Timothy. You can see that the work of the Lord took a toll on Timothy. We're going to read uh, verses 17 through 25. Just to give a little context, uh, this is a passage dealing with the treatment of elders. And there appears to have been a lack of good eldership at Ephesus. And some of the elders here were not conducting themselves properly. We'll just read verses 17 to 25. Let the elders who rule, rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all, that the rest also may fear. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment, but those of some men follow later. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident, and those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. Now, did any one of those verses in that lot seem a little, in that passage, seem a little out of place to you? I'll tell you one that jumped out at me. And here we're talking about, um, this is a passage talking about elders, and all of a sudden, in uh, verse 23, Paul tells Timothy, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and for your frequent infirmities. Now, what does this have to do with the treatment of elders? Well, the reason this is here, you know, Paul has included this verse in in just one passage of many where he's discussed a lot of problems at Ephesus. You know, false doctrine, wheels not being honored, and now elders. You know, Paul knows that these are big problems and that, that Timothy has to deal with. He knows he's entrusting a huge task to Timothy. And Paul knows Timothy, and he knows how, he knows how Timothy is feeling. Now, I don't know about you, but if any of you have ever been under a stressful situation or very nervous or overwhelmed, 
You know, sometimes people get a little knots in their stomach, or not just a knot in their stomach. They start feeling very ill, a little queasy even. Your stomach might be churning as you're faced with a task that you're daunted by. That's Timothy here. But wait a second. I mean, didn't Timothy have a gift given to him by prophecy? Weren't there prophecies made concerning Timothy? You know, shouldn't the work of the Lord been easier for Timothy? Actually, there's nothing to say in Scripture that using a spiritual gift is easy. Now, you may have a certain spiritual gift, and when you use it, it will manifest itself in, good re- in results, so you'll know. A person that's exercising the gift of evangelism will see people saved. A person who's using the gift of exhortation will see people stirred up, called to action, do things for the Lord. But that doesn't mean the gift is easy to use. Give an example. I was reading the other night about Charles Spurgeon. Now, Charles Spurgeon was a man who ministered in England in the mid to late 1800s. You know something? He began preaching at a very early age. Just a few years, in fact, after he got saved, he was preaching. And he would go on to preach hundreds of messages throughout his lifetime. And one article I read numbered his sermons at around 3,600. He would preach multiple times in the week, and he would see a lot of results from his preaching. There would be people saved, people encouraged. He saw the congregation that he ministered to. He saw the congregation that he ministered to. He saw a lot of growth. And yet, it wasn't something easy for him. You know, sometimes, before he had to give a message, he'd be on his knees praying. It would be very difficult for him to stand up before the congregation to give a message. In fact, sometimes the deacons felt like they had to pick him up from his knees to get him behind the pulpit. And Paul's exhortation of Timothy in the verse, in the epistles, implies it took a lot of work for Timothy also. Let's turn uh, just one page over to 2 Timothy. Chapter 1. Look at verses 6 and 7. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now the word stir up that Paul uses in this passage it could be translated to kindle afresh, to keep on fire. It actually implies that the gift you have from the Lord, it has to be continually stoked. It can actually, you know, there's an implication it can fizzle out if you don't do something with it. It has to be used. There's another verse, too. I'm just going to read it from 1 Timothy 4. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy, by the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. 
it's possible to neglect a spiritual gift. Now, the Lord's not going to take it away from you. It's a gift. He gave it to you. But it can just sit there dormant and unused unless it's kindled. It's not just going to do its work by itself. And sometimes we might need a little encouragement to use our gift. Like I said, a gift may not be easy to use. And it's not like, I don't think even a person perhaps with a remarkable gift of evangelism it's, like, it's just not like he's going to blink and someone next to him is going to be saved. That's going to take a lot of work. And Timothy looks like it needs, he needed a little push to use his gift. Now, of course, the work that Timothy was doing is not something that people would normally face today. This is um, written in, during a time of transition where there were perhaps churches that were just founded and did not have any elders. But there's still a lot of ways that we can relate to Timothy. There might be many situations that we're placed in where we might feel the same doubts and fears. Like I said, perhaps when we're called to witness, witness to someone, perhaps we're called to lead perhaps a Bible study, or perhaps we've been, we've been asked to participate in some ministry and we don't feel up to it. And perhaps you're not even sure what your spiritual gift is. And inwardly, you might be protesting, but Lord, this is hard for me. I'm not cut out for this. This doesn't come natural for me. Well, you're not alone. There's been plenty of men and women of God who have struggled with this. We see Timothy did too. I'm sure along the lines of laboring in his labors for the Lord, Timothy must have thought some days it would be easier just to tag along with Paul and assist him in the work, kind of under his wing, under his shadow all the time, having Paul supervising him. Or perhaps it might, might have just been easier just to you know, sit in the back and enjoy a message himself. And we see at times that Timothy, he would have much rather been with Paul at those times where he was called to minister alone. I'm just going to read a, a small verse in Part of a verse in 1 Timothy 1.3, Paul tells Timothy, as I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus. And it looks like Timothy would have rather left Ephesus to be with Paul, but Paul urges him, remain there. And it would have been nice to always be able to rely on someone like Paul for advice, for guidance, as time went on. And we see increasingly, though, that Paul, you know, he would send Timothy off by himself. There were harder and harder missions for him. There was more entrusted to him. And the thing was, too, Paul wasn't always going to be around. Actually, the epistle of 2 Timothy, we look at Paul's in prison when this epistle is written. And we know that later, after this epistle was written, he was executed. And this, this is very noticeable, too. This time in the, probably the mid-60s AD, this time of a lot of transition in the, in the church. I mean, it wasn't just Paul that was passing away at this time. Peter, it looks like, was killed not too long before this. You know, a whole generation of some of the first church leaders were going away at this time, or passing away. 
I'm sure someone like Timothy, you know, even though he'd been ministering for a number of years, there may have still been a tendency on his part to want to still rely on Paul a little bit. It's always nice to know that his mentor was still around, that there was someone he could still write a letter to. And when, when Timothy got this last letter from Paul, he may have had some fears now of something else. You know, now he was really going to be without a mentor, perhaps more alone than he ever had been. And he may have been thinking, how is the work of the Lord going to continue without the Apostle Paul? And with, our, with ourselves, too, there can be a tendency to rely on the older generation. I mean, it's easier just to sit back and you know, let the older, more experienced brothers, brothers and sisters do all the work. I mean, well, are there problems in the assembly? You might be thinking. Well, the elders will take care of it. Or maybe you notice, well, it's been a long time since we had, an, had some kind of evangelistic outreach. Oh, well, I better let one of the older brothers handle it. Or perhaps we need someone to share the breaking of bread. Well, I think probably one of the older, more eloquent brothers can handle that, not me. Now, it's easy for us to think of ourselves as inadequate and think, well, we best leave things to brothers who, or sisters who have done things for longer and know better than us. But the problem with that line of thinking is you know, eventually that those older brothers and sisters are not going to be around. You know, if the Lord tarries and we're still here and Calvary Bible Chapel is still here in 20 or 30 years, and um, no offense to the elders of deacons right now, not to make you guys sound old, but there's going to be a, no, a new need for new elders and deacons. And something to ask yourself today as you're sitting here, you know, where is Calvary Bible Chapel going to be in five years, in ten years, in twenty years? And what will I be doing at that point? Will I be just quietly sitting in the back, just listening to messages? And, you know, Lord willing, there will be still many good messages here. Or will you be leading people to the Lord, leading Bible studies, sharing the gospel, training up the young children here? There are plenty of things that keep us from doing things for the Lord. You know, sometimes we get too busy in our lives with work. Perhaps there are some unconfessed sin in our lives. But oftentimes it's fear. Oftentimes it's self-doubt. <clears throat> and Timothy, in this case, Timothy had to struggle with this, like I mentioned. He's called to... But Paul calls him to let no one despise your youth. And as Paul said, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And the way that Paul encourages and reassures Timothy is in this way. He reminds Timothy of all the Lord has given him 
and all the prophecies made concerning him. Let's get reread some of those verses. Paul said, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy, with the laying on the hands, laying on of the hands of the presbytery. And Second Timothy again, he says, Therefore I remind you, stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And of course, the Lord cannot the Lord cannot lie. What the Lord's promised, you know, he will accomplish. And Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, the Lord has promised he will use you. And he will accomplish his purpose. And he, he has equipped you with everything you need to do your work. Do the work of the Lord. He's gifted you in this way. And like I said, we've all been there to some extent. When we're afraid to witness, perhaps we're, when we're afraid to make mention of the, Lord, of the Lord's name, or when we're faced with the task the Lord's given us and we don't feel up to it, you know, we want to think to ourselves, you know, if only someone else could do it, or if only there was someone else around to help me with this. I can remember when I was a younger believer and there were some times where I felt like I messed up a witnessing opportunity. And I thought, wow. Man, if only one of the elders had been around to share the gospel with my friend, then they could have given like a real slam dunk presentation of the gospel to my friend, not that clumsy mess I just made. But the fact is, we're not alone in this. We're not. We're not alone in this. Now we may not have prophecies regarding us like Timothy did. There are plenty of other things that we can look at in the Word to encourage us, that we can take heart from. Like I said, maybe you are afraid when it comes to witnessing to someone. But then you're really not alone. You have the Holy Spirit in you. God himself dwelling inside of you. Now you're not alone in this. Maybe you're feeling weak and insufficient in the work of the Lord. Wait a second. Let's turn to the book of Ephesians for just a moment. We're going to look at two verses, Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Just how great is our God? How much is he capable of? Now, I've gone through this, these couple of verses before, but I'm going to pick them apart again. We're just going to look at these verses just for a minute. Make sure we know what's being said here. So we're going to take out a few words just to make sure we can appreciate this verse fully. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, let's just take it first that he is able to do all that we ask. Well, that's something wonderful in self that the Lord can do anything that we ask, however 
break the trial might be. But then wait, perhaps I'm not very good at articulating myself. Perhaps I'm not very good at asking for things. Well, but then the Lord can do anything that you can think of also. Anything that you can ask or think. And then, he's not only able to do all that we can ask or think, he's able to do above all that we ask or think. All right, this has gone beyond human comprehension here. But then he says, he's able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think. And then toppings off exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And that's the power of the Lord working in us. And this is all coming from the Lord who says in another book, this is Hebrews 13, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm just scratching the surface here. I don't have time to go through all the promises the Lord has given concerning us. But you know, if I really take stock of what the Lord has given me, if I really take account of everything the Lord has given me and how he is always with me, really I have nothing to worry about. If the Lord has made it clear that he wants me to do something for him, well, then I should be able to do it. And of course, not for my own strength, but through his, through his power. Now, perhaps all the labor and toil I mentioned Timothy is going through, all this heartache, all this discouragement he had, it might, things sound, it might make things sound pretty grim and unrewarding for him. Now, Timothy, as I mentioned in the first, first last week, he gave up many things in his lifetime, and he didn't have things easy. He shared with Paul in many of his trials and persecutions. We know that he was in prison himself at one point. But in those many tasks that Paul asked him to do, it looks like he was successful. I'll look to Second Timothy for a moment, near the end, in chapter 3. In chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, Paul tells Timothy, But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out, of them, and out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Now, Paul is speaking of his own life, of course, in these verses quite a bit, but he also tells Timothy that Timothy has successfully followed him in all these regards. And there's another mark of Timothy's, Timothy's success also in his life. You know, as we've, um, this is a character study of Timothy, and, and for the past, I think, two or three years now, we've been going through character studies it's actually noticeable. Paul makes a direct description of what Timothy's character is. I'm just going to read those verses from Philippians again. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, 
But you know, his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Paul calls Timothy's character proven. Now, proven speaks of the passage of time, and not just the passage of time, but also of testing, which Timothy was successful in. I'd like to exhort all the believers this morning, as Timothy was, to stir up the gift of God that is in you. You know, the Lord has given you a spiritual gift, at least one, maybe others. And like I mentioned before, it may not be easy to use it. But, you know, all our gifts need stirring up, whether it's evangelism, whether it's helps, whether it's mercy, ministering, teaching. Then as Timothy was reminded of the prophecies regarding him, if any of you today are feeling discouraged or overwhelmed in the work of the Lord, well, it's a good time if you're feeling this way to remind yourself of everything, everything the Lord has given you and how much you have in him. You may feel inadequate in the work of the Lord, but so did Timothy. And the Lord who loves you, who died for you, cares for you, he's with you in all the labors you're doing He's with you in all this. You're not alone. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the example of Timothy you've given us. And do pray, Lord, you would encourage us to, Lord, in whatever works we're doing or to show us what work we should be involved in, Lord. And, Lord, that we would use the gifts that you have given us, fully utilizing them in every possible way. Really. Pray, Lord, you would give us courage, give us strength, Lord, to continue for you. Do ask this in Jesus' name.